The 1v1 interview series is a production of the Boss Rush Network of Podcasts. Visit bossrush.net to listen to our podcast and read our articles, game reviews, and more. You can also follow us on Twitter at Boss Rush Network to stay up to date with our content. Thank you for listening. Hello, everyone, and welcome to 1v1 with the Boss Rush Network. I'm your host, Celeste Roberts. Today, I have the pleasure of interviewing Elizabeth Layton, Director of Colonel Esports at Nichols State University. Now, this is Nichols State University's competitive gaming team. And I'm, I'm a little, I guess this is like a, a vanity project for me because I graduated from Nichols as well. So I'm, I'm kind of biased here, but I, I still live in the area and I've been keeping up with my alma mater and I, I'm so excited to connect with you, Elizabeth. Thank you for being on tonight. Absolutely. I'm, I'm so excited about this opportunity. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Are you from here? What? How did you get to be at Nichols? Anything you'd like to share with people? So um, I'm actually originally from Birmingham, Alabama. Um, my undergrad was in University of Montevallo in history. And then my master's is from University of Alabama. Um, and it's a library science degree. So I'm technically a librarian that I feel like I moonlight as an esports person. <laughs> Sometimes I joke across the street and I tell them, well, I've got to go be an adult now and be a librarian. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I um, actually came out here for the to work at Nichols um, in 2018. I, I applied to be a librarian here. And so me and my partner and our two cats um, moved out here. Uh, it was probably the hottest summer I'd ever experienced in my life. It was... Uh, Memorial Day weekend, 2018. And so um, the U-Haul was like an oven trying to take the stuff out. But um, we moved out here and uh, kind of as an adventure and for us to start over and because I, I love change, um, which might be why like this job is so perfect is because I can adapt to whatever is necessary. I'm like, oh, cool, a problem. Like I get to solve it. This is fun. <laughs> So what do you do in your library role? What type of librarian are you? So I'm an access services librarian. Um, I'm the, the department head of the circulating collection. Um, and I'm a liaison for mass communication, nursing, allied health, dietetics. And basically I teach information literacy, which is being able to find accurate information and um, being able to teach students how to differentiate quality information from secondary sources that aren't necessarily reputable. Um, and I, I really love teaching about um, not necessarily just the information literacy, but also like being able to scroll through social media and it being outside of their classes of how to recognize if a source isn't reliable. Oh my gosh. Do you find that's a skill that a lot of people could use a little help with or? I, I definitely think that it in itself was kind of a pandemic during the pandemic, um, but I I love the job. Like I I feel like I'm a, a wizard of information because a lot of people think being a librarian is just books, but no matter what shape information comes in, I sort it, find it, and organize it. Um, and so social media was the exact same way and um, all kinds of current events really. Um, and so I've, I've really enjoyed being able to, to help students with that. And I mean, even parents and family members in the community to kind of navigate um, all of the information that is thrown at them on the internet. Oh gosh, thank you for coming to Thibodeau and bringing oh, yeah. that over here. That's incredible. It's, it's a lot of fun. So how did you get involved with eSports, the Colonel's eSports team? Um, so sometimes in video games, we joke about, we call it COD timing, where something just seems to line up in a kismet sort of odd way. Um, I was sitting in a faculty senate meeting, um, and Dr. Clune came in and said, you know, we're talking about starting up an esports team. We've got some students that are interested. And my hand immediately shot up. Um, I've been playing video games since the N64. Um, I, GoldenEye was my first video game to play with my cousins. Um, and Incredible. So, since that, it started the bug, and I've been playing ever since. It started out as a way for me to interact with my brother, but then we kind of went different ways in the kind of games that we play. Um, and it's it's date night. It's interacting with the family. It's also like bonding with friends. Um, and so I 
I recognize immediately the value of having esports on campus in the community. And so I, I was really excited for that to be available for us. Um, and Dr. Quinn and I met afterwards and he introduced me to the students. And in fact, I think I have some photos of when we all, like the first time we ever met um, and how we started the program in a, a rec room classroom on campus. And so we, and it was me and four, four other students. Wow, oh my gosh. And what year was this again? 2019. 2019. And I had no idea it was going to get this big. Um, every time I would take another step in the process, I, it would be like, well, there's no way anybody's going to show up when we open the space, or there's no way that anybody's going to log in, or there's no way anybody's going to apply when we call for tryouts. And every time we would absolutely blow the lid off and pack the house or um, fill the queue or anything. And so we, it's just, it's almost awe-inspiring the way that the community and the campus has supported us. I see it all the time. I follow you on social media and I see the different people commenting and posting and just the enthusiasm is so infectious. Oh yeah, I, I really, really, I don't know. I, it's hard to describe it, especially as somebody that's on the inside because the best way I describe myself is a trudger. Like I'm a very to-do list organized and I'm like, well, I'm just, as soon as I accomplish something, I'm on to the next thing. But sometimes I look up and I look out at everything. Like when I step into the space and there's 40, 50 people in there playing video games or when I look into the Discord and we've got 400, 500 people that are talking to one another that would never interact with one another normally. And I'm like, oh, wow, like we did this, like we built this. So it's, it's crazy to be a part of something like this. Now, did you have anything like this back in Alabama? No, um, and that was one of the things that drew me into it. University of Montevallo, when I was going to college, which was 2011, they had a small game room, very small. Um, and they didn't have an esports team because esports wasn't really big back then um, in my area because it's a smaller um, kind of suburban, almost rural university. Um, but it was just a place that people would come and hang out and sit on couches and bring their own games and they had devices there. Um, but I was an individual that was very unique on multiple levels. I'm neurodivergent, I'm LGBT plus. I mean, that's, there's multiple boxes that tick that I, I don't fit in the normal social circles. And so um, through my, I don't know what, my primary school experience as well as my college experience, it was a very small circle and very isolating. Um, and so I thought, if something like this had been built when I was in college, um, it wouldn't, I wouldn't have been so alone. And so that was why I built the program the way that we did was because I wouldn't ever want anybody to experience kind of the isolation that I did. I know what you mean. It's, it makes me wonder, cause I'm about the same age. Um, we were in college around the same time for our bachelors and you, you wouldn't, know who was necessarily into video games unless you mm -hmm. saw them wearing maybe a shirt or you heard them talking about it in your class. But I wasn't someone who was just going to walk up to somebody in the student union and say, do you like the legend of Zelda? We should be oh, yeah. friends. <laughs> it's like the stigma that goes with it. Because if you open your mouth and say, oh, have you played Bioshock? And then somebody's like, what are you talking about? You immediately want to just crawl back into your hovel. <laughs> um, and so I... I didn't want anybody else to experience that. And that's what one of my favorite things is you see football players that are hanging out next to um, IT staff that are hanging out and playing video games after hours. Or um, we have police officers that come by and that love to check out the space and interact with the students. And it, it creates such a neutral ground for everybody to be able to uh, interact with everybody because everybody has something to talk about and that something is video games. Now this, I realize that, I don't want to take this for granted, but could you say what eSports is? Just in case anybody listening is like eSports. It's so hard to encompass. So it's, at its core, it's competitive video games. But somebody may hear eSports and say, well, how is that a sport? And I never really thought about it until actually I was working with a student today whose their entire school project this semester is blogging about us. Oh, wow. 
and because um, we love to bring in different types of interns and different types of people to show all the different things you can do with esports. Um, but the way I described it is, you know, sports is kind of a safe battlefield. Sports in general, like you've got my team versus your team, and we're going to strategize in order to beat your team. Well, we have that mentality with video games, like my team versus your team or me versus you, and we're going to strategize and we're going to try and beat you. And you can do that with chess. You can do that with anything. I mean, you do that with cheerleading. You do that with dance competitions. And so that, in my belief, is the core of what a sport is. And so esports is that without necessarily the physical side. Because we have a ton of players that they used to play baseball, they used to play volleyball, all kinds of stuff. They got hurt. They still have that competitive mentality, but they can't physically compete anymore. And they still crave that that competition and that drive and that me versus you kind of situation. And so they move on to esports. Oh, I didn't even think about that of people getting some kind of injury that could completely change their trajectory. Absolutely. Um, that has happened with numerous friends, family members. Um, I've seen that they get hurt. They it, it, it's depressing. It affects their mental health because they can't compete the way that they wanted to. And so they're drawn into video games so that they can still have that experience and have that simulation and still uh, stimulate their brain in the same way. That's heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. But on the, on the plus side, now they have this other outlet and this mm-hmm. other community that they can join. Mm-hmm. And I, I love it because everybody can be involved. With, you have the LGBT community. It's co-ed. There's no debate on gender or anything else that you play video games and you're all on the same team and you're all working towards the same goal. And I think that's what creates the inclusion and the diversity with this program is because you're sitting next to people who aren't like you. And so you get to learn about other walks of life and other backgrounds and other worlds. And so you you get to be more inclusive and more equitable and more understanding of other walks of life. And I think that's the whole point of going to college, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, in addition to getting your degree and, and learning some mm-hmm. skills, you also broaden your horizons. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, because, I mean, that's that's how you learn is by interacting with other people, the different walks of life. Um, it kind of makes me think of something that was one of my grandfather's quotes of, um, if you know what I know and you know what you know, then you know more than me. And so it's it's being able to like pool ideas and bring everybody together and interact with one another in a way that you can gather information and you can take more away from the day than you started. That's incredible. Thank you. I love that. I love your grandpa's quote. <laughs> <laughs> and I wanted to say to listeners, um, it's midterms at the time of this recording, by the way, but we might try to get some players on in some future episodes mm-hmm. when they have time. If you've uh, been in that the throes of uh, midterms, you you understand what it's like, high stress okay. time. Uh, between that, and I think that we're having our Smash Bros competition today. Call of oh. Duty competed yesterday, and so they're they're getting after it. It's it's amazing because we're not like, of course, I I'm kind of at the I don't want to even say the top because they're my colleagues. These students, we work together. We've got a grant that's due at two o'clock in the morning or whatever. We're all sitting there together, writing this and working on this together. <laughs> They're my team. Um, but the the coaches are mentored by our advisory board and each other. And the e-board is selected by the president and the vice president. And I actually hire the president and the vice president like it's a job interview because they're going to have to work so closely with me. I've got to make sure it's individuals that I can work with. And so the way that we organize it and the peer mentorship and the things like that is they get to learn how to be leaders and followers. And so it's it's just so cool to sit back and watch sometimes them teach each other how to speak professionally or diplomatically or how to handle sometimes a complicated situation. And they're teaching one another by experience so that they can carry that on into their careers later. Incredible. And so that I don't know if hierarchy is the right term, but the organization. So it starts with the advisory board at the top. Well, so um, it's me. It's complicated in the way that the advisory board isn't necessarily overseeing, but advising. And so if we didn't want to, the way that I organized it when we started was I didn't want us to be in an echo chamber because I think that makes things very stagnant very quickly. 
And I'm the first to tell you that the best way for something to be successful is to surround yourself with people that are way more intelligent than you. And so um, I created the advisory board to bounce ideas off of for us to figure out when we need to change something or to get um, our hands on the pulse of maybe trends that are going on or if we're interested in working with a company, they can tell us if it's a good company or if maybe we should step back and maybe that's not the move. And so they're more of a, an advisory council for us to interact with and check ideas with. Mm -hmm. um, so I would even say that they're just kind of an entity on the side that interacts with us because we also pull mentors from them when the students say they want to go into esports or they want to go into tech or they want to go into business or anything. Um, we say, well, we probably know a guy. And so we we create those kinds of connections to mentor them with CEOs and tech giants and those kinds of individuals, um, teaching them how to fundraise, teaching them how to send a professional email. Uh, they learn everything from the bottom up. Um, and then we have in the university, it's me that's kind of at the top, but it's more of that I work in a different way than they do. I help with the administrative side and working with um, the front end of the university, which is what we call Dr. Clune and the VPs and that kind of stuff, um, and where I make the connections for them initially. Um, and then the president and the vice president, which we see kind of as the, um, the co-director and the, the coordinator, help set up the student side. So they help make sure that the constitution and the bylaws are followed. They help make sure that we're making all the connections, we're making all the deadlines. They make sure that the, that I'm on track. Um, and <laughs> it takes a village. <laughs> sometimes it's a full time job just making sure that I remember to send an email. Um, <laughs> because we're doing so many different things all at once. And so um, and then the e-board that works with them is the, the secretary, finances, all of that um, in order for them to be able to um, make sure that this runs like a business. And that's what we created was kind of a business sandbox. I'm a huge fan of phase and optic and complexity and those kinds of professional esports groups. And so we tried to emulate it after them so that if they stepped into that kind of situation, if they wanted to go pro, not even competitively, but administratively, they would know how all of the bells and whistles work and they could move in and say, well, I have this job experience. I'm, I'm really jealous. I would have loved to have all of this when I was a student. It's so cool. And I can't take credit for everything. Like, um, I was even talking with one of my students the other day because sometimes I'm just in awe of seeing where they start when they get here versus when they move forward. Um, they, they turn into such leaders and such like pivotal members in the university and in the community. And this student was talking to me and he was like, you know, I really appreciate everything that's gone on and, and how you've helped lead us and how you've helped foster this. And I said, I, I have to say that, like, I didn't create you. I didn't build you like this was already here. You just needed the resources for you to be able to grow. And so we just created the environment for you to have free reign, for you to have a safety net, for you to be allowed to fail um, and for you to be able to learn in your own environment at your own pace. And I think that's my favorite part of this program is being able to see them grow into these individuals that are uh, well-rounded citizens, no matter where they are. And oh, success gosh. follows them. That is incredible. I love that. And so 2018, you moved here. This started in 2019. So some of the students must have graduated by now or are close to graduating. Some of my original, because the pandemic hit us hard. Some people had to do part-time classes and then the hurricane. Uh, which was my first hurricane. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm used to I'm, tornadoes. What a, um, what a doozy. <laughs> um, packing up three cats in a Chevy Spark and heading to Alabama for an evacuation was a world of experience on its own. Uh, I, I don't recommend it, but sometimes you do what you have to do. <laughs> um, we... I'm sorry, what was the question again? I completely lost. Oh, no, that's okay. I know um, I, I'm very familiar with, with hurricanes, so welcome. <laughs> but uh, so that the organization started in 2019, yes. and I was thinking, okay, it's been three years at the time of this recording. It's 2022. So I was just musing and thinking out loud, oh, 
some of the people must have graduated or be close um, to graduating. Two of them have graduated. Um, my original president graduated, and this is kind of our success story. Um, he graduated Saturday of um, in May, and he had a job ready on Monday because he was so well prepared to be a leader and so well put together. And we give them resume training and we give them interview training and we let them talk with leaders and talk with CEOs. And they're sitting on a board the same as I am when we're making business decisions. Um, and he was, there were people that were fighting over who was going to hire him. And oh my gosh. So who can say that? And people are starting to see that Colonel Esports on the resume, they know to trust it because we created um, individuals who are um, supportive of all communities in all walks of life, um, that they're understanding and open-minded, um, that they support um, other individuals, that they don't ever talk down about anyone, and that they know how to lead in the best way possible. And even they recognize that every individual needs a different type of leader and they've learned how to adapt to each kind of student because there's 67 of us in the administrative discord that are working together and they recognize that each individual has a different need and they're able to meet that to be able to communicate with them the best way possible um and so that's that's definitely what's just awesome but uh, george has graduated and has left um he graduated this last may um, and one of our other originals, Hunter, he graduated last December. But we still have Scott and um, Bove, and we have um, and Andre. Andre is our team captain for um, Call of Duty. So. Wow. And they're graduating soon, though. And so um, sometimes I get emotional when the originals leave because it's like you were – you were there when we were in that classroom. Um, soon it's just going to be a legend. <laughs> That's so sweet. And I, I love that the skills they've learned with Colonel Esports and with the different individuals has translated in other areas of their life. Because, I mean, I, I grew up playing video games like you did, and I, I didn't really hear anything negative towards me about it. But I think there was kind of this stigma of, well, what can you learn from video games? Mm -hmm. And there are just so many skills. You've you've listed myriad <laughs> skills that people can acquire, especially if they involve themselves with this kind of community. Yeah, well, the good news is my whole life has been kind of this uphill fight of fighting stereotypes. And so the moment you step into esports, there's a ton of stereotypes that it makes people violent, that it's horrible for your mental health, all this kind of stuff, even though there's a lot of student research that says absolutely not. Um, and so I was prepared to step into the seat and advocate in any means necessary. Um, and so, and sometimes I've stepped in them and they're like, why, why would you want to support esports in a educational environment? And it's like, well, come hang out with me for the day and I'll show you. Mm -hmm. Sometimes people have to see it. Like you can mm -hmm. describe it to the best of your ability, but until they actually go out there and see it, it's not quite the same. It doesn't have the same effect. Mm -mm. Or you bring some of the people from the program with you when you have these meetings. And you see how well-spoken they are and you see how respectful they are and you see how well put together they are and how they're business savvy. It's like building entrepreneurs. And so once you see the way they interact with one another, then you really get an understanding of, oh, no, it's it's not what I thought it was. It's it's so much more. Mm -hmm. Now, I know the answer to this because you let me know he was going to be there. But are there any notable people on the advisory board you'd like to mention? Yeah. So um, Robert Atkins is on our advisory board. Um, he was um, he was on the team for Duke Nukem, um, for Quake, for CSGO, and some other. The way that several of my students put it is that he he built the video games of our childhoods. Like he's he's the reason that we have first person shooting and competitive gaming today. Um, and I absolutely love working with him. And it's. It's so cool to have his insight and his unique perspective about sports and gaming and the direction that we're going in and this ecosystem that we're all trying to build together. Um, and sometimes I absolutely love reaching out to him because, I mean, sometimes you do get burnout and you, you lag a little bit. You've been working wide open all year long and December rolls around and you're like, I just want to shut my brain off. 
And so sometimes I can message him and say, man, I, don't, I just don't know. Like, I don't know. And he's like, no, no, we're doing great. Keep going. <laughs> oh, he is so nice. I, I loved meeting him and just hearing him discuss the passion for gaming and creating. Oh, yeah. And as a history major, or I've got my bachelor's in history, uh, a lot of people don't talk about the history of video games yet because we're almost kind of still living it. And so hearing somebody talk about the history of video games, you don't get that in classes, but it's so unique and it's so cool to be able to see where it went to where it's going. I'm I'm also a huge movie fan, and so I feel the same way like about watching graphics and the way we've adapted dialogue and all that. And so I, I think that that also ties into my love of video games because I love good storytelling. Oh, I call video games virtual storybooks, especially yeah. like something like Zelda or, oh gosh, I can't think of like another one like Final Fantasy, Resident Evil is kind of like a virtual story, but you're trying to figure out what happened to this town. Resident Evil and um, one of my other favorites is Layers of Fear is you've, I'm a huge horror movie fanatic. I'll watch anything from rubber when you've got a a tire with psychic abilities to like the really good artsy (laughs) films. But um, when you play a video game and it's hard, all of a sudden everything's your problem. Like, you can't separate, you can't step away from it. Amnesia did a great job of making you feel helpless in the video game. And so um, I I think that it's it's such a unique experience where you get to make decisions. Red Dead Redemption did a great job of the decisions you make impact the character. And so you feel so much more involved and so much more engaged than you would in a movie. And there are some games I've played that go along with what you're saying that I don't think they would translate well into any other medium. It, they have to be video games. That story has to be told the way it's told through oh, this video game. Because you're telling the story. And so it's you get to be a part of it and you get to get excited and have that aha moment, almost like when you're reading a book, the same time that the character has. And so I, I really enjoy it. The, the Sherlock Holmes games, I've been playing a lot of those lately, where I think it's by chapter system. But I really love working through the clues and working through the puzzles and figuring out who did it when he figures out who did it. Ah, uh, I didn't know there were Sherlock Holmes games. Oh, yeah, there's a bunch of really, really good ones. I'll, I'll have to send you the links because um, I think some of them are on Game Pass. <gasps> I, I'm a, I've got a PC, but I also play on Xbox. Oh, thank you so much because I, I <laughs> act like I have all this time in the world to play games. <laughs> I'm going to make time. time. It's self-care. I've spent the last... <laughs> Well, I won't say consecutive, but I've spent at least 16 hours in the last two days playing Stardew Valley. Because sometimes oh. you just want to turn your brain off and have some good music and just play. It's, it's like I get to live out my Hobbit lifestyle that I've always wanted. <laughs> get to be a farmer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Gosh, they are adding so many farming sims now. So Power many. Simulator. I am ashamed of how many hours I have put into that game. Just because it, it gives you just enough dopamine to keep going. <laughs> Do you think Power Wash Simulator is eligible to be an esports competition game? Is there anything about it? You know, if I hadn't watched the documentary on how Farming Simulator was, I would say absolutely not. But knowing that Farming Simulator has an esports competitive scene, I'll say maybe. Because <laughs> <laughs> they do have speedruns of it, and speedruns are definitely competitions. Um, in fact, I think that we have an esports player that is top three in the world as speedruns for Spyro 3. Wow. Um, um, speedruns are such a unique form of competitions, and they're a lot of fun to watch on YouTube. I, I sometimes have that playing when I'm cooking or something, just to have noise in the house that's not doom scrolling. And so <laughs> um, I, I, I definitely think that there's a speedrun component that you could probably have competitive for Power Wash Simulator. Hmm. I want to watch that. <laughs> so how how do people join the Nichols esports team? Are there tryouts? Do people just show up and say, I really like to play video games. I'm interested. Um, there's a lot of when we first started out, it was people stopping by saying, Hey, I love video games, and I'm like, I I got a spot for you. Um, now that we've gotten so big, we have scheduled tryouts at the beginning of every semester. And everybody, including the current team, tries out um, because we want to make sure that they're still on their toes, that um, they still work well and communicate well with others, that they still have all of the components that we're looking for in a team because we're okay if you're not the best as long as you have the best mindset. Because 
I can coach or the individuals can coach you on how to um, hit your shots or how to set up a class or um, how to strategize on a map and things like that. But um, it's really hard to teach somebody to have a good attitude. And so I, I think that that's, that's definitely the biggest component when we're trying out. And I mean, of course, we have a whole rubric. They have meetings. There's a whole um, almost drafting system that goes along with it. Um, but definitely in my book, whenever I'm watching the competitions and I'm making notes or talking to them about stuff that I'm watching when they try out, that's, that's one of the, the top things that we, we include. Have you ever had to, I don't want to say kick someone out, but like they just weren't meshing well with the team. Have you had to make that kind of decision before? Sometimes. And that's normally a last resort. We, we try our best to talk out things to see what's going on because sometimes people are just having a bad day or a low mental health experience or stuff's going on at home and it bleeds over. I'm the worst about trying to compartmentalize. If I'm having an issue, everybody knows I got an issue. <laughs> and so, um, and sometimes it's, it's their grades or that they're all kinds of stuff going on. And so we try our best to keep them on the team, maybe have them sit out a game. Um, we do monitor just like athletics, their GPA and other stuff. And so sometimes it's like, Hey, sit back, let's reassess, let's reevaluate and let's continue to move forward. So we try and have as positive an experience as possible. Oh, I'm glad because that's probably such a good outlet for people who, need something outside of maybe if something bad's going on in their home life. And we're not just competitive. Um, we have the casual side that's kind of, we've got Xbox Series Xs, and we wrote a grant for 15 gaming laptops for the students to be able to play on to see if they like PC gaming. Um, and so there is a casual side that people can just hang out, play video games. What's really strange that's popular right now is a lot of them come in and play on our chess boards. Um, in fact, we just created a virtual chess team a month ago. Yep. Wow. Yep. We're, we're competing, I think, virtually on NACE with uh, chess tryouts is what I heard most recently. Um, and so they they get to just exist. You, you hear a lot about the third place. A lot of students, this is their third place because the lights are lower than the rest of the university. We keep music going. There's no words to it. Um, people can just vibe and hang out and eat and text and play their video games and they can recharge. There's some students that have told us that if it wasn't for this space, they don't know if they would make it through college because they're just so hard on themselves and their environment is so hard on them that they, if they didn't have a place to recharge where nobody expected anything of them, they, they just don't know if they'd make it through. I love that space too. It's very mm -hmm. comforting. I really enjoy it. Oh yeah. We, we paid very close attention to the vibes. <laughs> Vibes. So it used to be a Godfather's Pizza on campus. And see, it wasn't that even when I got there. Um, it was it was called the Colonel's Retreat. Mm -hmm. And then it was Wild Blue Sushi. Um, and then um, Mr. and Mrs. Clune reached out to me and or Dr. Clune and Mrs. Clune reached out to me and said, um, this we have an idea for a space. We know you guys are super successful. We really want to put you on the map. We want to show that we support you. Um, we have this idea. Can you do something with it? Mm -hmm. And I'm a problem solver. If you show me something and you give me a list of stuff to do, like, we're going to do it. Um, and so I drew out a rough sketch. And then I got in contact with Jason Bergeron. We had touched base. Apparently, he had also met with, like, the original group of George and them because there were several smaller meetings that were going on about at the time that I was being onboarded. Um, I reached out to him, said, hey, this is my idea for the esports team. He was like, this is so cool. I absolutely want to be on the advisory board. Let me do kind of a rough sketch. Um, and he wrote out the floor plan and the design for us to create um, a competitive arena, um, as well as the casual, the casual side. Um, and for us just to create a really cool escape in the middle of campus because it's attached to the student union mm -hmm. um, and it it looks exactly like what we came up with um in fact there was kind of a we sat back and had an awe moment because i'm really bad at taking things in <laughs> when the furniture arrived because there was so many supply shortages and so much that when it, it finally got there i just sat there when the room was finally full the pcs were there the couches were there the chairs were there and i was just like oh wow like 
we just checked a major box. And so it you turtle. It was. And so I, I think I sat in there for like an hour that day and I was like, guys, like we, we really did this. It was the same when we finally got the jerseys. Because mm-hmm. um, we went two or three years without jerseys. We just, during the pandemic, they were playing from home and competing. Um, and so when the jerseys finally arrived, we didn't even tell them. We just said, hey, we're having an emergency meeting in the space and everybody's mandatory that they're going to be there or whatever. And they came in and we were like, oh, okay, well, here's your jersey. <laughs> That sounds so serious. It's so scary. What did we do wrong? Um, and so it was a lot of fun. Everybody was so excited. There was a wave of red across campus because having 50, 60 people, including advisory board members from across campus and Boots and Dr. Clune even have jerseys for everybody to be wearing theirs and just showing in support. I think it really showed how much this program means to people on campus. It, it gives us this feeling, feeling of legitimacy, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, the legitimacy, the belonging, and and the just the camaraderie. Like mm-hmm. I, I love it that there's always a space at the table for someone else to contribute and to be a part of. Absolutely. So, what you've mentioned some of the games, um, like we hear and there in our conversation, but what are the games that the team competes in, and are you constantly looking for other games that they can compete in? We are. Um, so we have. Call of Duty, League of Legends, Rocket League, Overwatch, Valorant. We just added Smash Bros and Chess this semester um, because we're a part of ECAC and NACE. Um, I I keep teasing them. I'm like, you know, we really need to build a Fortnite team because it's something, Fortnite and Call of Duty are my baby because it's what I play. Um, and so they're like, no, no, we don't, we don't need a Fortnite team. But we keep going back and forth. And then um, Apex is something that a lot of people request. 2K is something a lot of people request, but um, we're in the process of outgrowing our space and we're having to contemplate, do we just make this into a gaming cafe and try and find something or do something larger? Um, And so with that, we're hesitant to add teams because you can only have so many people practice at the same time. And so we may have outgrown our fishbowl and we maybe need to get a little bit more space. So what is a day in the life of a student who is a member of the esports team like? So do they have names? Like, are they just called players? Do they have a term? Um, I like to call them e-athletes because of the prestige. Um, I also am, it's easier for my brain to process nicknames than real names. And so I I think I have some to this day that I never called them by their real name. <laughs> I'll lean in to Darren or somebody and I'll say, hey. I, like, I know this is their username, but I'm having to fill out, like, paperwork or they're asking for co-curricular proof or whatever. And I'm like, I don't know which username this is. <laughs> um, and so he'll be like, no, 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 this is, this is. And so um, it's it's a lot of fun, like, with them interacting and, and having that kind of, like, area for them to just kind of take on a new identity and, and um be engaged in that way. So kind of like how people have their screen names, they use that as their identity whenever they're playing. They, cool. Um, I mean, even with me, they call me Liz, but in if you see me in the Twitch stream cheering them on or heckling them sometimes, I'm Kitchen Camper. Um, <laughs> and so, um, and in the Discord, I'm Kitchen Camper. And so that's, it's kind of fun because I'm kind of hidden and they, they just kind of interact and coexist um and it almost feels like a, a secret agent or a double life um but they they definitely go i would say 50 50. um a lot of the the e-board you you get aware of their names because they're there all the time and that um but a lot of the players in the space it's almost like you're transitioning into a different person and you're like that's that's my gamer tag oh that is so cool mm-hmm. oh, i love that code names i know <laughs> So what are the some of the challenges of esports that you have faced, either with optics or logistics, just anything that maybe, oh gosh, this was a huge hurdle. The um, pandemic, obviously, I would say the pandemic I would was huge. The hurricane was huge because we most of us left. Um when we got back, several of them did not have homes. Um and but the first concern was, but is the esports space okay? <laughs> Um, there's pictures like their of, home. of them doing esports tryouts. I think it was Call of Duty, and you can see some of the panels in our ceiling missing 
but they're still trying out. And so nothing stops them. But I think I think it takes natural disasters to slow us down. Um, <laughs> because anything else, we're like, well, we'll just work around it. Or we'll just, we'll pin that on the board and we'll get to it when we can get to it. And so we've never really had anything major outside of um, Mother Nature to stop us. <laughs> <laughs> I think this was so fun. And maybe that's, maybe that's the key to our success is that we're colleagues we communicate, we work well, we have all of these really great social skills of interacting with one another. And so if the internet goes down, if the tech goes down, whatever, we know who to contact, we know how to handle it. And we're almost at this point, a well-oiled machine that has a system that we can normally get anything back up and running within an hour. Wow. And so, do you have a lot of community support as in terms of uh, like sponsorships perhaps yeah. is that okay um we have community uh, members and community businesses that support us um such as 3d media uh, stratify balance media um and the the calais are a huge fan of ours and attend all of our events and support us and are in fact the reason that we were able to do the first scholarships that we've done with esports um and so i think i think that they're like or the the community understands that we're trying to give them another team to root for and they love seeing it go across our our social media hey we're competing against the university of alabama on wednesday like um come cheer us on or um we're competing against lsu or we're competing it's like these huge schools but because it's esports and there's not necessarily a, a ranking system. It doesn't pertain to the size of the university. We can compete on on so many different levels with other places that we wouldn't dream of reaching out to. I didn't even think about the ranking system. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there isn't one. Um, I don't know for sure about the exact way that it worked, but I heard that at one point, is it NCAA? voted that they didn't want to include esports in their program it might have been 2018 2019 it was a little while ago and so we actually don't fall under that we made a conscious decision because athletics has such a, a wonderful standard with their ethics and the way that they do things and the way that we were like well some universities are moving towards this being like athletics or this falling under athletics. And so we we definitely want to follow in their footsteps because they've been doing it longer than us and they definitely do it right. Mm -hmm. um, and so even though we don't fall under that and we're not required to, we we still definitely, I mean, it's, it's the right way to do things. And so we, we want to make sure that if we ever transitioned into athletics that um it would be a seamless one because we wouldn't really have to change anything oh wow so how many competitions are there each week or, or each month even um so every team competes once a week and then they also have eight hours of practice um uh, with their school and some of them are doing full-time work um the good news is with their school work and everything else is they have a full-time librarian 24 7 at hand to help them with their research with their projects um but i often remind them when they're like yeah i just don't know how i'm gonna get this paper done I'm like you have a librarian <laughs> you look um, more could you want yeah like you <laughs> you literally have alexa but better on speed dial <laughs> a sentient alexa <laughs> yeah uh, an alexa that you don't have to worry if it understands you when you say something else. she still hates my accent um and so uh i i think that those kind of components and those kinds of things like i know that it's a lot of work but it's also a lot of work to be an athlete it's a lot of work to work full-time and to go to school full-time i did it i went to grad school and work at full time. And I had, um, I think I had to drive an hour and a half one way was my commute. And so I, I understand about having only very few hours in the day, but they're dedicated to it and they understand the standards and the goals and the expectations. And they, they more than rise to the occasion to be able to meet the needs and, and the prestige. Because um, anytime that we go and we compete virtually, and we've been to some land tournaments, 
they know that there's a behavioral expectation, um, a GPA expectation, and a, an expectation with their presence that we we want to be what other people strive to be. Gosh, I, I love being around the team. They they seem very mature. They seem very welcoming, and they seem very passionate. Oh, absolutely. The well, because it's I get excited because I don't know how to act like I've been there, and so they get excited. Um, when we succeed, we succeed together because we all worked on it together. Um, whenever they have an idea, we come together and we talk about that idea, and we all work on it together. And so, success or failure, they had a hand in it. And so they they get really, really excited um, about every step of the process. I love that. And it, I think they realize they're part of something bigger, too. Oh, yeah. We didn't at first. We had no idea that this, like, this would get to what it was. Um, but I think that once we started building the administrative part and once the space finally got put together and people started showing up to play casually, we realized how big... And we've had some students that said, you know, I was really looking at another university, but we saw how great your East program was. And so we're, we're going to go with you instead, or we're transferring from somewhere else because we like your program instead. And so it, it's wild to, to even have that conversation with somebody. Um, but that's, I think that's a, another contributing factor. So do they notice, oh, you have this many wins and that's what attracts me, or is it just the camaraderie and the community? You know, I don't know. I'm really bad about keeping up with whenever somebody talks about us on Twitter or the news or anything like that. Um, we started getting calls over the summer and marketing called me and they said, um, the phone's been ringing off the hook. Apparently you guys are the top 24 in something. What? What is that? And I... <laughs> Because I, I just work on the back end. I'm, I'm, my group is the wizard behind the curtain. If everything goes well, people don't know we exist. And so I had to look over at one of them. I said, what are we in the top 24? <laughs> Call of Duty. We're call, or CCL nationally. We're top 24. I went, oh, that's it. <laughs> so do you compete strictly with United States teams, or do you compete internationally as well? I think some internationally. I know that we... We just beat somebody, a college team in Canada, because I was looking at that on Twitter. Um, our college duty team went 3-0 and with them. So it may be North America. Um, sometimes we scrim with other teams. Uh, we've, I don't think we've ever turned anybody down to practice with, but it's whoever fits into the, um, the guidelines. Because there's definitely like a server issue. You don't want another team to have latency based on where they're located at. And so you try and have like North America so you can hit North American servers and you don't cause any kind of lag or ping with the, the way that they play. That makes a lot of sense, the logistical side of that. Okay. So how is the team doing? So is it go? does it go by a, like a season? I, I know that sounds silly, but like, okay, um, football season's from this time to this time, baseball season's from this time to this time. So I don't know a lot about sports other than I'm a huge UFC fan. <laughs> but, and, and that goes year round. And so I guess in the same aspect, we're not impacted by weather, and so we we compete all year round. It's that we have a, a spring semester season and a fall semester season, but all of the teams compete for both seasons. And it's okay. cool. Like, you don't have to build a different facility for everybody. We all play on the same computers. We all compete on the same area. And so you have sometimes Rocket League and um, League of Legends is practicing at the same time because we've got enough space based mm -hmm. on the team size. Um, and so we were able to, um, and sometimes I mean, we had Overwatch and Rocket League competing on the same time last year. And so we just set up separate computers, kind of tried to divide the sound and try and broadcast whatever we could. Okay, okay. So even though you can play the games virtually, does the team have to travel or is it all just in that Colonel Esports Center on campus? It's all been in the Colonel Esports Center except for smaller tournaments that are separate from the uh, events. I don't know what it was like pre-pandemic. Um, maybe they had more lands. I know that we're trying to move back towards it. Um, we were, um, I received an email a couple of weeks ago from Sports Illustrated and they were asking us if we could compete um, virtually and if we were seated in a certain way. My understanding was 
will go to Ottawa, Canada to compete in a land tournament. And okay. so that will be physical because it's the first invitation only Sports Illustrated esports competition. Um, and so we'll be able to do that physically in person. But I think that's one of the beauties of the equity of having an esports program is you can compete from where you are and you don't have to pay for the travel. You don't have to worry about the students um, maybe not being able to afford to go somewhere and not be able to afford to do something because we, we cover all of that and there's not a high demand. In fact, we don't even have dues. The only thing we ask is for the student to already own the game, mm. which they're already playing it at home anyways, um, just because you every game has its own login. Okay, that makes sense. So we, we don't have anything that they pay for themselves unless there's something that they personally like. Um, some people are like certain controllers because they feel better, or some people like certain mice and keyboards. Um, and so that's, that's the only, when it's their personal preferences. Okay, that's because I was kind of thinking about how I, I guess, again, I'm not the biggest sports person either, but I'm kind of wondering, okay, like uh, if a batter has a special bat that he likes, mm -hmm. he or she would like to use, if it's the same situation with gamers. Mm -hmm. Yep, and um, so we, we provide kind of the environment and then they, they decide on what they like with the accessories. That makes sense, that makes sense. So are there any standout moments to you since you've been part of the organization? Um, definitely when we started having tryouts and more people started joining the Discord. I think when we started the community server and within the first month we had hit 150 students because they, a bunch of freshmen were joining. That was just kind of an awe moment. But I think that along the way we've had a lot of little wins or challenges where, because I'm, I'm very team focused and so when we accomplish something together, as a group with my e-board with um, George and Darren or Darren and Evan or Hunter, different individuals, um, we sit back and we're like, oh wow, like we work really well together. Like we really accomplished that together. Like the average person may not be able to navigate that. And so I think that those moments of accomplishment in making a connection or creating an event and the event went successful or being able to have a difficult conversation or being able to grow and it be in a healthy environment. Because I think that's taken for granted so many times, even in companies. Um, those are really like our, our stand back moments and breathe and like, oh wow, we're like we're, we've really got something different. You, you bring up a really good point because I've been in workplaces where certain things are tolerated and you hear people talk about culture and that's part of culture. What are the consequences? What are the rewards? How do people treat one another? And it sounds like the Colonel's esports team has a fantastic culture. Oh yeah, we, I love, cause I don't want to name names about anything, but we've definitely had individuals that before they started, they didn't have a large friend circle. Um, they were nervous about joining us because you hear stereotypes, of course. And they go out to dinner with the whole group. The, the whole teams go to dinner together. They hang out with one another. They make sure they have the same classes together. They help tutor with one another. And they've become leaders in the groups um, where I remember that they were, they were afraid to even speak up when they first stepped foot through our doors. And so I, I think that we really, we foster innovation. We foster the assertiveness and the, the creativity um, and, and we definitely encourage to eternal students in a way. Have you had to face, uh, not, I don't know, maybe explain to students and or their parents the benefits of esports? Um, I don't, I don't think I've ever, the, the cool thing is that they're, I mean, they're adults. And so we've, the parents kind of understand, well, this is, this is who they are now. Mm -hmm. um, that may be something more that people see on high schools where mm -hmm. maybe the parents don't understand they're in a competition right now and they can't go feed the dog. Um, but I think that like expanding the vocabulary and expanding the, um, their understanding, like I, I want to work towards having workshops for parents and workshops for teachers and workshops to show how this educates and how this innovates and how this is a real competition. Um, that they can get real scholarships for at multiple universities 
um, and how this is growing and that this is a very real career path. I, I love that so much. And I love that you want to do the outreach to teachers and parents because you can plant that seed at such a young age. But it's the only way that you're going to fight misinformation is to educate. Um, it's not by kind of rolling your eyes at them and saying, oh, well, they just don't understand or whatever. Well, help them understand. Mm -hmm. and so um, by providing opportunities, providing literature, providing peer-reviewed research, you can show them, yes, this is helpful. This is great for their mental health. This is great for their hand-eye coordination. Um, my mother, she plays Assassin's Creed and stuff like that. She She's always been very encouraging of games because she sees how it makes people creative and makes individuals like me who don't talk to people aggressively communicate um, when I'm competing in something. And so um, I, I think that being able to sit back and see the vocabulary and maybe I would even encourage parents who don't understand to sit down and play a couple of games with your child. Like see how hard it is and how they have to multitask and they have to work as a team and they have to communicate and they have to like even inventory management. Um, I think that once they see how many steps there are in doing this, not only will they respect the mental capacity that it takes, but that they'll also understand um, how this is a very legitimate sport. I, I love video games so much and mm -hmm. they've, they've been such a huge part of my life. Um, I get to meet people like you and people right, with boss. Awesome connection. <laughs> people with boss rush. Um, people with another Zelda podcast, people from other podcasts, and I've, my vocabulary has expanded because of video games, because if I didn't know what a word was, Paper Mario is fantastic for building up your vocabulary. Oh, yeah, I, love Paper Mario. <laughs> I remember uh, pontificate is used in the thousand year door. So I just grabbed my oh. dictionary and looked it up. And I just, it, it's, I, I love it. I love video games. And I love that this is becoming more accepted. And I, I, I mean, you hear so much about how the world is cruel and there are cruel, unhappy people out there, but just from what I'm seeing, it sounds like people are more accepting generally now, maybe? Yeah, well, there's, there's bad people in everything. Mm -hmm. No matter what you look at, there's always going to be somebody that, um, especially because the esports community is, I think that it has a lot of people that are neurodivergent or have trauma or stuff because it's, video games are a way to escape. And so you'll always have predators that think that that's weakness, but they don't understand that there's a community that's willing to look out for one another, even when they're not willing to look out for themselves. And so I think that that's the uniqueness in that there's a zero tolerance, mm -hmm. that we're not afraid to call someone out because we're already an outcast. And so what else are you going to do? <laughs> <laughs> so what are some of the trends that you might see happening in the world of esports any maybe types of games or types of competition oh wow i think that's the direction we're going in next i sometimes i look at job descriptions because i'm helping students find things for them to do and there a lot of it is requiring a sports and recreation degree but i think in the next 10 years that it's going to be requiring an esports management degree um, I think more literature, because we did this without a book or a guide. We just tried to piece together what made sense. Um, and so I think that there'll be more mentors and leaders in how to build this. And I think um, that this will be more common terminology um, with larger demographics as we move forward. I think that um, in the same way that people of all generations cheer on baseball games, we'll have esports on ESPN and people are cheering for their favorite team the way that we do right now watching on Twitch. Um, and so I think I think that expanding the vocabulary and the understanding and increasing the research and education is the next the next direction that we're going in. Because I'm excited to see the research about how this impacts admissions. How does this impact uh, retention? How does this impact um, students college experience and how do we how does this negate burnout and so um, I think that's that's where we're going to go so that we can fill those gaps and have a better understanding of all of the benefits oh I can't wait I'm so happy <laughs> an upward trend 
So how can people support the Nichols Esports team? You mentioned Twitch. Is that where people can go to watch competitions? So on Twitch, we, we play on Colonel Esports team is our, our Twitch um, username. Um, sometimes other groups stream us like when we're in our um, semifinals. I think on Overwatch, we had 140,000 people watching us in our semifinals. Um, ECAC streamed us. And um, CCL has streamed Call of Duty when we were in the playoffs. Um, and then we're, we're on all kinds of social media. We don't have a TikTok yet. That's the direction that we're going in. But we have um, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, everything you can think of is uh, at Colonel Esports. Um, and so that's a great way to just see the announcements. We have plans of having community events soon. I would love to do girls nights and um, UNO competitions because I think everybody can understand card games and things like that, uh, chess competitions, um, high school nights. And so we really want to grow and expand and uh, diminish not just the stereotypes, but just the misunderstanding about gaming. And I think the best way to do that is to just bring people in and let them understand what we're enjoying. I love the community aspect that you want to do. I know there are a lot of little um, conventions that are popping up around this area. Usually they're, they've been restricted to just New Orleans, Lafayette, bigger cities, Baton Rouge. But this area, especially Homa, which is our sister city right next door, they're trying to have little conventions where people can cosplay. And it'd be really cool to see the sports team over there. At those oh, kinds yeah. of things. Um, I, I look forward to the day that we have conferences. And the, well, my comparison is American Library Association has one every year. Um, it recharges your battery. It lets you talk to other administration and see panels and uh, presentations about what other people are doing. Having the competitive side and people compete and these roundtables and all of that. And so I'm, I'm really, really excited to see um, these groups work together now that, well, I don't know if the pandemic will ever be over, but we're past the worst of, um, because I, I used to go to Dragon Con and AWA. I'm a huge cosplayer. Oh, awesome. Uh, what I, have you cosplayed as? Um, so I'm a Repo the Genetic Opera fan, and I used to okay. um, cosplay as Blind Madge. Oh, um, wow. Sarah Brightman mm -hmm. performed as, as her, um, right? Um, I, they used to tour that movie like it was a, a rock show, and so I've gotten to meet the director and the writer twice because right place, right time. I, I went to Atlanta to see it when I was in Birmingham and they came to Birmingham once um, when they did the Devil's Carnival. Oh, I wow. love like cult films. Um, and so that, that was really cool. And to be able to pick their brain of how they wrote it, how they did so it was. And the director is Darren Bozeman and he did Saw too. Um, but I, yeah, I'm, I'm a huge nerd in like weird, strange, obscure ways. Um, I'm a huge Jay and Silent Bob fan and mm -hmm. um, I, I love Kevin Smith and just about everything he does. And so um, I, I really enjoy conventions like that. And um, on YouTube, there's Good Mythical Morning and um, C-Nanners and PewDiePie and um, Courage and Tim the Tatman and they're doing conventions and meetups and stuff. And so I would love to see this kind of thing attached to something like that to kind of bring the positive message along. I would love to see that too. <laughs> that would be incredible. Not just for the team, but maybe some little kids who are really interested in video games. Oh, I can do this. I can do this in college. My brother beat Spyro the Dragon when he was two years old. The controller was too large for his hands. And so he would play it like it was a joystick where he would sit the controller in his lap and move everything around. And so they... Hand-eye coordination is just crazy now. I watch some streamers and how fast they move competitively. I'm like, oh, let's. I am past my prime on that. I'll just go back to Stardew Valley. Oh my god. <laughs> or I'll go to Fortnite because if I can't win, I can make somebody else mad. <laughs> well, Elizabeth, is there anything else you'd like to share with listeners, either about yourself or the esports team? Not that I can think of. I just I appreciate all the support and this opportunity. Like this, this was so much fun and being able to like really share our voice and show what we're about and the direction that we're going in, and and where we've come from. Like it's it's crazy. This has all just been in a couple of years. I can't imagine what else we'll accomplish now that we've got the foundation under us. Incredible things, I think. <laughs> Absolutely. Now you've mentioned it uh, a little while ago, but do you want to repeat where people can find the Colonel Esports team if they want to follow them online? Yeah. 
So on all social media, we are at Colonel Esports. Um, on Twitch, we're Colonel Esports team. Um, and so you can follow us, you can subscribe to us, and that supports us. Um, and just definitely cheer for, for us and share our posts and, and show up to our events because that's, that's how we, we see that people really care and want to see more. Oh, I'm so excited. And thank you so much again for making time with this interview. I can't wait for people to listen to it. Uh, again, I, I went to Nichols State. I'm still in the area. I'm a big fan of the things that they're doing. And it, it's a small area with a lot of heart, I find. Oh, yeah. I, I absolutely love it down here. I, when we moved down here, it immediately felt like home um, between the, the culture and the food and the people <laughs> and everything else. Like it's it's such a unique portion of the world. Like I don't think that anywhere else could ever mimic this. And I, I just love every moment down here. Well, thank you for being a part of it. You're part of history. Thibodeau's history. <laughs> Well, everyone, thank you so much for listening, and you can find other 1v1 interviews at bossrush.net. And if you want to follow me, Celeste, on Twitter, I'm at FairyCrypt. But until next time, we'll talk to you all later. Thanks, everybody.